Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation is building its Do Good Village in Lando Lakes, Florida. It's the first of its kind, a community of 110 homes for the foundation's program recipients. So together, families can heal. So together, families can help one another. A special place where families know that their neighbors understand and care. Make the Do Good Village the first of many. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. And now we know, finally, why Oscar Isaac's English accent is so damn bad, okay? Look, this whole episode felt like a backdoor WandaVision pilot, and you know what? I'm here for it, okay? You know how I feel about WandaVision. Child, the whole damn time, he's been copying the voice from a VHS tape. Not even a Blu-ray, okay? Not even a DVD, okay? Your English accent would be bad, too. You know what? Let's talk about it. Plus... We got that Thor Love and Thunder trailer finally. We got to get into all of it. It's your bonus episode of Reality and Comics 2, Moon Knight episode five, four. <laughs> Let's talk about it. That's right. You're listening to Reality and Comics 2 the podcast that discusses all things scripted and unscripted TV and film. I'm Kendrick, but most of you know me as your mama's favorite black geek. You want some hot takes about the Real Housewives or Love Island, or maybe you just want some extra insight on the Scarlet Witch or the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, you're in the right place. Grab a cocktail, sit back, and prepare to cuss and fuss right along with me. Feige is somewhere saying, damn, I hope y'all happy now. Y'all, every time them people post something on Marvel Studios account, on the Marvel account, down on the, on the Miss Marvel account here, on the WandaVision account, whenever they post anything Marvel related, y'all asses, annoying, worsome asses be in the comments, where's the thunder, the, the, the Thor Love and Thunder trailer? Damn it, you got it now. You happy? They gave you this little bitty raggedy ass teaser trailer. Y'all have watched it over 2 million times. No, no. Way more than 2 million. Y'all have watched it over like 200 million times. And now it's like the number four most viewed uh, trailer in 24 hours of history. Something like that. I think it's only behind like 
I want to say Spider-Man No Way Home is number one. Then Endgame number two. Infinity War number three. And then Thor. So damn. I hope y'all happy. Shit. I mean. It seemed like y'all weren't going to be able to sleep or nothing or enjoy anything Marvel related until y'all got this trailer. So I'm happy for you. I uh, hope you had a good damn Easter because apparently your Easter was going to be ruined if you didn't get this damn trailer. Well, you got it, baby, okay? Let's talk about the trailer a little bit. It didn't do much for me, but I mean, I'm glad it's coming. I'm always glad all Marvel things are coming and headed our way. We did get a couple of big things in this trailer, though. The main thing being Jane Foster's arms, Natalie Portman's arms, okay? The, listen, she been hitting the gym. She'd been doing what the hell she needed to do. I don't know if uh, she walking around, you know, like this or they did something, you know, in studio. I don't know. If they, look, I don't know. I wasn't behind the scenes. I can't tell you. But if she really got her arms looking like that, her arms told me to shut the fuck up. And guess what I did? I shut the fuck up, okay? I shut my ass Okay, I'm trying to get some arms like Natalie Portman. I never thought I'd say that, but I'm trying to get some arms like Natalie Portman this summer, okay? Her uh, wielding Milner and, oof, somebody didn't put it back together. This, it, it's going to be an exciting movie. I'm excited about it. Thor's lost his way. He's trying to figure out what to do next with his life. Hell, everybody he know dead. Loki ass dead. His daddy dead. His mama dead. Uh, who else? He got some friends dead. Half the Avengers dead. So it's just Thor ass and Thor just, he just happened to be alive. So he trying to figure out, put his life back together the best way he can. Now, I guess he coding Jane Foster again. I don't know. I don't even know if they really together. My question for y'all is, do we think Thor is going to come out of this movie alive? I honestly don't know. Now that we know for a fact, I mean, we've always known, but now that we know for a fact the mantle of Thor is going to get passed on to Natalie Portman's character, do we think that he's going to die in this movie? Ooh, that's a lot to ponder. That's a little heavy. I mean, it won't be heavy for him because everybody he know dead anyway, so it'll just be another death on the calendar. So, I mean, I don't know. That it's, it's a lot, but the trailer was great. A little too much Chris Pratt for my liking. <laughs> you know, any chance we get, we shade Chris Pratt. That's okay. And, but I, you know, we got to see Rocket and all of them. Who we did not see was Gamora. I mean, you know, obviously, you if you saw Endgame, you know, we don't know where the hell twin Gamora at or past tense Gamora. I don't know what the hell you want to call her. Multiverse Gamora. Hell, I don't know. We know one of those Gamoras is gun dead. Very dead. But one of them is out there still kicking in the wrong timeline. So I guess they go try to find her. But I guess we'll have to wait until uh, Guardians 3 to actually figure out what happens to her. But she was very missed. It didn't, it, I don't know. But it looks like we're getting a new Guardians lineup in this movie, though. So that'll be interesting. A couple of new characters are hanging out. That'll be cool. No Gamora, though. That kind of sucks. I know, listen. I know Zoe Saldana mad as hell. You know Zoe Saldana don't miss too many checks. That lady be in every... When, I don't care what movie you turn on. You could be watching uh the Malcolm X story. God damn it. Zoe Saldana is somewhere in the background. I don't know how the hell she managed to get all these checks. But your ass better believe that she's going to collect them. Now, I know she mad as hell. She probably going to pop up in a post credit scene. Because, listen, she ain't, she ain't missing no checks. You know who she remind me of? She reminds me of Rosario Dawson in the Netflix Marvel shows. 
I don't care where you turned around. Claire's ass was right there front and center. Her ass was right there every single time. You couldn't get rid of Claire. You can't get rid of Rosario Dawson. It just is what it is, okay? You know what? I'm rambling at this point. I'm very excited for Thor, Love and Thunder. But I feel like I need to be... I need to level out my excitement because I have a lot more stuff. We we have a lot more stuff coming up before we even get to that. We we look, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is literally like two weeks away now. My two best friends are coming down from Indiana to come watch it with me. We have a whole weekend plan. Oh, let me let me tell y'all about our weekend. Okay. You know me, I'm a planner. I've had this weekend planned for I don't know how long. They'll get here at some point on Friday. I have us dinner reservations at my favorite, 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 favorite restaurant in Memphis. So we're going to go there that night. Uh, we'll probably do, I don't know, some rambunctiousness that evening too. Then Saturday, we're going to get up. We're going to go get breakfast at my other favorite place. I have a lot of favorite places, okay? My favorite breakfast place in the city. We are scheduled to see Dr. Strange that afternoon. And then that evening, we're going to get barbecue because this is Memphis. So, of course, barbecue. And then I believe they probably want to go downtown, Bill Street, do all that kind of nonsense, rambunctiousness. I don't know. And then maybe fourth meal, we're going to get some Dixie Queen. Now, if you don't know about Dixie Queen, we love us some Dixie Queen in Memphis, okay? I mean, the buildings look absolutely disgusting. Rats be jumping on the outside and stuff. But you better believe that food will be hot and fresh, okay? Y'all didn't come here for any of that. Y'all don't give a damn, okay? Let's get into Moon Knight episode four. The episode opens with one of those Egyptian gods avatars, the one from the last episode that was like, uh, violence will not be tolerated in this tomb or whatever. Hell, I don't know. He was walking with this new little mini statue. I forgot what they're called. They, they say it's at some point in the episode, but this little mini statue of Khonshu, and he puts it on a wall that has, well a lot of other statues of other Egyptian gods. Now, what exactly the implications of this are, I don't exactly know yet. Have they just been, has somebody just been plotting to collect these people? Was there a mutiny amongst the gods? I don't know, but maybe the next two episodes will be explained, or maybe this is some big picture stuff that we'll find out with the Eternals. Like, I don't know. I'm always throwing the Eternals in here because I feel like at some point we're going to get the Eternals and these Egyptian gods exposed. And then I saw this picture of Wanda on uh, a Multiverse of Madness uh, trailer where she's standing in front of the, the symbols from the Eternals. It's a lot, okay? It's a lot going on. We get back to the end of last episode, and Layla is trying to help Steve regain consciousness. Remember, this is at the end of the last episode when he's turning back time and Steve goes unconscious. Suddenly, a truck drives up and starts shouting at them, and Layla rolls Steve to safety like down a sand dune. She ends up leaving his body, since it almost looks like he's dead anyway, and she gets in the back of the truck that they arrived in. The men circled the truck in their own truck with a big old beam, like almost like a lighthouse beam on the front of it looking for her ass, got a gun up there too, and they don't see anything since she's laying down on the inside. Layla... While they're examining Steven's lifeless body, she grabs one of those flares just to distract them. It shoots off, you know. They start shooting at her again, but she throws a flare at them, and then all kinds of explosions and booms and kapows. All of that kind of stuff goes off. Steven has now regained consciousness, and they head to the tomb. 
Remember, they now have the location since Khonshu did all his magic spinning wireless stuff and he turned back the night sky 2,000 years. Layla argues that they need Mark, but Steven, he, he disagrees. You know, he's like, nah, we don't, we don't need his ass. Steven like, ah, ah, because, you know, he said once this whole deal with Khonshu is kaput. I apologize in advance for all these damn sound effects I'm making. I don't know where this is coming from. I just got a lot of damn energy recording this episode, okay? He got away. You know, he's he's going to be away forever. Layla talks herself through it, you know, kind of, you know, making sense of everything that Steven's saying. And she actually agreed that they don't need Mark. They get close and they see a campsite set up, which lets them know that Arthur Harrow and all of his peoples, all his people sees his folks, his niggas, all of them, they already there and they're probably exploring the cave. They look through them people's shit and they get supplies before they go in themselves. I know the fuck, that's right. Why use mine when I can steal yours or whatever Look Kim said, okay? While scavenging, best way to describe it, for supplies, Mark and Steven end up talking. And Steven double down on, he kind of doubles down on not letting Mark take over the body. Mark more so is mad that Steven touched, you know, touching and rubbing and, and hugging and thugging and slurping and burping all over his wife. <laughs> Steven does end up confessing to her right as they're about to kiss that Mark is actually just trying to protect her. Why? Because remember, Khonshu wants to make her his avatar. They end up kissing before uh, strapping up and, you know, putting on all the stuff and descending down in the tomb. One more gracefully than the other one. <laughs> Steven and Layla sitting in a tree. F you sit. No, just <laughs> they start looking around and Layla starts to reveal a little more about her father. This episode, if you haven't picked up on it beforehand, you know, like when the two officers picked up Steven and talked about Mark Spector's past, for instance, Layla's father's past is kind of illuminated for us all. It's revealed that he was killed by an archaeologist. And remember that story? Mark Spector uh, supposedly killed a group of archaeologists execution style. But I told you guys previously that it wasn't Mark because he was left for dead too in the comics. Kind of like he says later on in this episode. It was actually his partner. They start looking around and Layla actually determines that it's a maze. When Steven starts like outlining a structure that's in front of him with his finger it's actually the eye of horus which is kind of what the map is shaped like or not the map the maze it's kind of what like the inside of the the tomb or building whatever it's shaped like so now they can make some headway and not fall prey to whatever creatures are in here like the folks before them aka all the heroes people that he's been fucking sacrificing they talk about each of the points of the symbol and what they mean, and they end up following the tongue because the avatar was, you know, it would have been Amit's voice. Makes sense in a long kind of roundabout way that they explained it. It was a little, you know, they didn't, the child, they went through all of they, 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 That's the eye. Now, the, the pupil, that's what they used to see. That's the eyebrow. I guess that, you know, you can look confused with your eyebrow if you raise it up like the rock. I don't know. They talk about all the body parts, but they decide to go with the tongue, okay? That's all you need to know. You don't even really need to know that. You just need to know that they left this part of the tomb and they went to another part of the tomb. They make their way into another room where I see what I thought were statues of more like Egyptian gods, you know, just mummified all around them. 
but it actually is more likely to be their victims that they, you know, they crossed them and, you know, they wanted to do some Amit type shit to them. I don't know. According to Layla, that is. In the center of the room is a stone st- uh, structure that almost looks like a doctor's table. And around it is like flesh, blood, bones, and according to Steve, little meaty bits. Because of that, Stephen looks for an alternate route and sees another level that you had to go up a ladder to get to. Suddenly, while he's up there and she's down there, they hear gunshots and they start hiding. So now Stephen is hiding upstairs in whatever little area that can't be seen. And then Layla is just like hiding, kind of almost in plain sight when this creature comes in with this guy. Some, I don't even know how to describe the creature, but some, we call it a creature thingy. The creature thingy comes dragging a human into the room and starts slicing and dicing and mincing and julianning his ass up. The creature thingy, which I'm guessing was created by Harold, because remember, back in episode two, Harold showed us that he can bring these uh, Egyptian creatures to life just by holding this, his, uh, what is it called, a staff, I guess we'll call it. And uh, opening up a portal on the floor and then any kind of creature he wants comes out. That's how all those like jackals and stuff were chasing Moon Knight in the beginning. Uh, so suddenly, you know, they, they're looking at him. But uh, the creature thingy hears something all of a sudden and starts making his way towards Steven. But of course, Layla, she throws something and gets chased instead. She's always kind of, you know, we saw this earlier in the episode. She's always, her instinct is to protect instead of be protected. She almost gets her ass thrown off a cliff, okay? But she manages to hang on and throw the creature thingy inside instead. Now Layla has to traverse a ledge to make it to the other side of a new area that she's made it to because of this chase. This entire scene winds up kind of being like an Indiana Jones style sequence where, you know, Layla has to fight off a creature that they found in a tomb or a cave or a forest, you know, whatever the Indiana Jones setting may be for that particular movie and save her own life and hang on to the ledges and everything like that. I actually love how reminiscent it is to Indiana Jones, which actually makes a lot of sense when you think about this story and the story that's actually being unfolded before us through these six episodes that we've seen, or we've seen four, but these six episodes that we will see. After she shoves a flare into the creature's eye and escapes immediate death, she, of course, sees who else but Harrow. Child, Harrow is like, who? how could I describe? Harrow is like Gucci Mane. It don't matter what genre, what year, what whatever. There's always a new Gucci Mane song available, okay? I don't care if the year is 2000 and you go into the club for the first time. Damn it, it's a Gucci Mane song for you. I don't care if it's 2008, uh, uh, nine, and uh, Gucci Mane just dropped my shirt off, my shirt off, my shirt off. Damn it, then that's what you go get. I don't care if it's 2017, 10 years later, and he got a song out with Migos. I get the bag and fumble it. Damn it, there's a Gucci Mane song for you, okay? Wherever Gucci Mane goes, Arthur Harrow goes because Mark and Steven and Layla, damn it, they've gone too. We cut back to Steven briefly, and Mark is confronting him about kissing Layla, but look, Steven is paying his ass dust, okay? And noticing the long-lost tube of 
Alexander the Great priorities, okay? Stephen opens up the casket and he sees the mummified Alexander the Great and Mark wonders where the Ushapti is. That's the little statue that they're looking for. I forgot what it was called earlier, but that's what it's called, an Ushapti. And Stephen, after some thought, realizes that it has to be somewhere the average looter wouldn't think to loot. And since Alexander the Great was the voice of Amit, it's got to be in his throat, okay? Now, y'all know that movie with Colin Farrell that Alexander the Great, you know, I think it was called just Alexander. Y'all know that Alexander the Great was the throat goat, okay? (laughs) So, of course, it's in his throat, the throat of the throat goat, okay? He finds you, Shabdi, a.k.a. the little statue of Amit, that they turned her into like they did Khonshu. Remember, this is what all of this has been about. All of this is about uh, trying to get to this statue before Harrow and his people do to prevent them from being an Amit back from on the child, back from the dead, back from the frozen, back from the statue, back from the concrete, back from wherever they can bring her back from, okay? Are you looking for a cheap way to support your favorite content creator? You know who I'm talking about, the content creator that you happen to be listening to now. Yes, guess what? I'm on Buy Me A Coffee, or in my case, Buy Me A Beer, okay? Go to www.buymeacoffee.com slash realitycomics2, the number two this time. Yeah, they said it was too long, yada, 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 whatever. Listen. I work hard to put out these two podcast episodes every single week to run the Instagram account, to do the polls, the stories, the uh, 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 everything else in between. Any support that you guys give me, I always appreciate. So if you're tired of uh, me constantly soliciting uh, ratings and reviews, then just buy me a coffee. I love you for it. back to Harrow and Layla, you know, of course, uh, Harrow Gucci, man, he didn't found Layla. He's patronizing her and dangling information about her father in front of her. He's ranting about how proud her father would be of her, you know, for finding that gods walk among them, uh, the artifacts that they've collected over the years. Then he mentions that Mark is not telling her the truth, which I think some, if not most of the viewers have already predicted. He tells her that her father was murdered by mercenaries, and of course she infers that to mean Mark is one of them. He can even tell her that her father, like what her father was wearing that day. Child, look, the, her, the father was was dressed down, okay, dressed down. He had on a nasty purple scarf, some uh jewelry like Shanae say, uh, a lot of jewelry. Has some uh Shirley Temple curls in his head. Look, he he was gun sharp, okay? Let your soul glow. And she leaves cuz like she doesn't want to hear any of this shit. He's telling her all of this, but she didn't ask for none of that information, but of course, she has to confront Mark. When Layla finds Stephen, she confronts Stephen, so he ends up transforming back into Mark and letting her confront him. <laughs> Look, Stephen messy, but I ain't mad at him, okay? That ain't his battle to fight. Let that man fight his own battles. It's revealed that Mark didn't kill him, but he was there. He says he tried to save him, but he couldn't. Remember, he was left for dead too, but our boy Konshu, when he was dying or when he died, whichever one, helped to revive him, made him a person again. That's why he's his avatar, and that's why he owes him such a debt. Layla is 
pissed and realizes it's the reason why they met because Mark had a guilty conscience. Ugh. Suddenly, Harrow and his man approach, they can hear him, while Layla hides, of course, which Mark told her to do. Harrow tells him that he has a very important decision to make, you know, after a lot of his philosophical ranting that he does. He's talking to Mark, and he tells him you got a very important decision, and Mark chooses to fight and kill as many people as he can. But child, Arthur Harrow wasn't having that. Harrow the man who determines who's good and who's bad, by the way, shoots the shit out of Mark, okay? Twice. Ba-bow. Mark falls back into the water and he slowly sinks to the bottom. Or is he ascending? It almost looks like he's like ascending into heaven. I don't know. It's one of the two. Regardless, it looked like he's drowning, okay? And that's it for our anti-hero. Or is it? Is there more to come? Ooh, baby, there's a lot more to come. Now we get into the comic book shit, that Jeff Lemire run of the comics, that redone Jeff Lemire comic that I'm reading on Mar- uh, Marvel Unlimited. We get into it, baby. So look, listen, buckle up your seats because now we got to get into the final part of this episode. God, I love this part of the episode so much. The ratio aspect on the screen goes from widescreen to full screen. And the quality goes from like 4K crisp to like this old VHS tape. It's immaculate. A young black man is wandering through the forest and he's walking behind a man, a white man holding a machete. Very Indiana Jones like, okay? He accidentally leans on something like on a rock thinking he's just, you know, leaning trying to catch his breath. But he pushes something in and it releases a dead body hanging from the trees. It's a mess. But then suddenly after that, they discover a a statue of a God. Doesn't all of this sound like the adventures that Mark and Layla have been barking on themselves. But the big thing to take away from this is the young kid says, Hey, I'm just a young kid, but you, you're Stephen Grant, Dr. Stephen Grant. This is when the aspect changes once again, you know, goes from full screen to widescreen back to the way we're used to watching this show. And it's revealed that we're watching a videotape in a mental facility where they're playing bingo. See, that's when we notice some familiar faces. I hope y'all paid attention to the scene very carefully because if you've been watching these episodes and you've been rewatching them like I have, and if you read, especially if you read the comics like I do, then there's so many little things you can pick up on in this scene. So let's talk about a couple of them. The guy calling a number, the bingo numbers, that's the man that was the golden statue outside of the museum. Remember I told you that's the comic book character Crawley that appears in a Jeff Lemire run, the new one that was released on Marvel Unlimited that I've been reading, but you know it was a re-release of the old 2016 comics, okay? That's neither here nor there. The two orderlies are the two fake-ass police officers that arrested Steven in episode two and took him to Arthur Harrow's community. The woman experiencing a whole little episode and uh, happily takes her pills you know, taking a little medicine child. She's his boss from the museum. There's even a very talented artist who's drawn a picture of a hummingbird that looks suspiciously like Khonshu. 
quick little side note. I told y'all that most of this scene is like straight up ripped from the comic books, ripped from the Jeff Lemire comics of 2016, ripped from the little limited series and Marvel Unlimited that's out right now. But I want to tell y'all the two fake cops that are actually orderlies and not police officers, they're actually named Bobby and Billy in the comics. And in there, they're a, a big white dude and a big black dude. And they just have this like ridiculous banter all the time. And they can't wait to beat up Steven or Mark or Jake, whoever, every single chance they get. And they're the ones that are constantly chasing them every time they try to escape, yada, yada, yada. So I actually, I like that they were kind of tweaked for the show. Yeah, they're still orderly. You know, they're still... Or at least one black, one white. But I do like that they kind of, when they did the casting call for this, they were like, okay, uh, listen, let's just cast some people. They don't necessarily have to look a certain way, yada, yada, yada. So they cast uh, the guy, the white man, and then they cast the black woman. And I kind of like that. I like when Hollywood doesn't try to, you know, I'm not a comic book purist. So I don't care when they make changes to the source material as long as it's not a stupid-ass change. And I like this. Look, give people a chance, okay? So I kind of like that. I mean, it ain't like they not the damn stars of the show, so it wasn't that big of a damn change. But still, I'm a child. I'm a clap where I can, okay? We see Mark, the real identity, seemingly very drugged, watching the scenery, kind of staring in the glass. And Layla comes over rambling about the movie and talking about his bingo card and how he won and how she promises she's going to split his prize with him this time. So, child, obviously Layla, he might have a little crush on her, but obviously Layla is trifling as she is in the damn uh, dreams because, remember, she was getting that fake passport and her mama was a scammer and a schemer too. Child, this is when we see him holding a Moon Knight action figure, which doesn't make sense. So I'm thinking it's another action figure that his ass didn't figure out a way to paint white. We saw the woman that was doing the drawing. So obviously they have, you know, like some, uh, they have access to paints and colors and all that kind of stuff. So I think this is just another action figure that his ass painted white and kind of put a little piece of cloth on and, you know, made him into a whole superhero. Okay. And that's what he basically envisioned himself as a superhero to look like. So there we go. Bada boom, bada bam, bada bam. So basically, just like in the comics, all of this appears to be a figment of his imagination. We see him in a session with a therapist soon enough, who in the comics is a woman named Dr. Emmett, E-M-M-E-T. But here it's revealed to be Arthur Harrow, of course, played by, you know, Ethan Hawke, who is the avatar for Amit, A-M-M-I-T. Mark can't pay attention to anything this man is saying to him or asking him because he's so heavily sedated. I went back and looked because I remember this part in the comics. And in the comics, they verbatim say he's been given enough tranquilizers to put a horse in a coma, which I'm sure is the case here too. This episode, it just does such a good job of bringing this comic run to life. Even the painting on the wall in Dr. Harrow's office is the landscape from episode one when Steven wakes up in that field. He waves at the person in the window and they start shooting at his ass and then we get that crazy car chase scene. Yeah, that's the backdrop for that. So there are like a ton of little, I guess, Easter eggs, if you want to call them. Tons of little Easter eggs throughout this whole episode and I'm here for it, okay? 
Mark remembers that Harold shot him suddenly and he makes a run for it. Initially, he's stopped by the two orderlies, Bobby and Billy. That's all I'm going to call them from now on. I forgot what their damn names were in the show, but I'm going to call them Bobby and Billy, okay? But he hits one of them and he bites another one and he makes his way down the hall, okay? The hallway is moving and swaying and the lights are moving and flickering and all kinds of stuff, but he just tries to ignore it and he makes his way into a random room that ends up having a tomb in it. Now, see, this is a big coincidence too, okay? So it, it kind of goes to show us that even though it seems like we're coming out of the, the dream that he's been in for so long, it makes you wonder if things are as they really appear. I don't know. We, we'll see though. We'll see in episode five. He's in there. And Alexander's tomb is what I believe he sees in this random room. The tomb is shaking and rumbling. And obviously you can hear somebody trying to get out of there. Then Stephen appears from the tomb. So now we have two side-by-side identities. Now, how is this possible? They don't know and we don't need, okay? But they do both remember that they were shot by Harrow. They make an escape, and while they're running down the hallway, they actually see an open door, and there's another tomb that's shaking just like the one that Stephen was in, just the exact same way. So that, remember, I've been telling y'all about this third identity, Jake Lockley. It makes you wonder if he was in that one, and we're going to get an appearance from all three of the personalities or identities in the next episode or by episode six. I don't know, but I'm here for the ride, though, okay? They're going down the hallway, they see that, and then they randomly run into the Egyptian goddess, I think it's pronounced Tawaret, Tawaret, T-A-W-E-R-E-T, Tawaret, who is the hippopotamus. She has a super hot bitch voice, and she just says, hi, and she spooks the shit out of Mark and Steven. Listen, I'm ready for episode Five, okay? From what I've heard people say that saw the screeners, you bitches. You can't predict how this possibly plays out just based on episode four and how it ends. So, you know what? I'm super ready. I can't wait. I told y'all, I just had a feeling that the second half of this series was going to be everything I needed it to be. I already am loving this series, but I just have such a great feeling about the second half. I'm out of breath. There's just so much to talk about. Y'all can tell by the the amount of energy that I have that I'm just, I love this episode. I think this is my favorite one of the season. I think favorite, hmm, second favorite. I think second favorite was number one, simply because I thought it was the best premiere of a Disney Plus show that we've gotten thus far. And then two and three were both good. So I, you know, I it's a toss up between those. I haven't really put too much thought in it. Maybe three better than two. I don't know. Three had a whole lot going on, child. Shit. But anyway, listen, I'll be here same time next week to talk about episode five, which I am impatiently waiting on. Oh, and then y'all realize we're going to get episode six the following Wednesday. And then that Friday, we get Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Ain't God Good. I mean, Lord, I just, I got to drop on my knees and pray right now, okay? I, I got to go. I got some praying to do and some thanking and some blessing and some, you know, when praise goes up, blessings come down and we are being rained on with these blessings by Marvel Studios, okay? See ya!
Oh, wow. You sat through that entire episode? Well, aren't you special? You deserve a treat. Why don't you head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Podchaser or CastBox and leave me a five-star rating and review for free. Need to contact me? Email me at realitycomics2 at gmail.com. Make sure you follow me on Instagram for hilarious memes and up-to-date information about the podcast. That's at realitycomics2, T-O-O. This is Kendrick, and I'll see ya! Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.